Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. My name is Jed Hearn author of The Thunder Heist. Uh, and today we have a really special episode where we have not one, but three special guests along with our very own Dirk Ashton. So guys, do you want to kick it off and introduce yourself, starting with Dan? Hi, I'm Daniel Potter. I'm the author of uh, Freelance Familiars and most recently the Full Moon Medic series, which just recently came out, which is an uh, urban fantasy about a werewolf paramedic. And it's kicking ass on Amazon. <laughs> yes, it's doing very well in the charts. Nice. I'm Matt. I, I right under the moniker MD Presley. I'm not a doctor. I do a role building series, Forging Fantasy Realms. Um, and I have a, a YouTube channel that I just started under that name where I uh, demonstrate uh, world building techniques by building a whole new world in about an hour um, once a week. So, Sweet. yeah. So it's amazing. After you're done, can you give me the name of that channel and I'll put it in the, the link as well for people who are watching this on YouTube. I certainly will. Yeah, that'd be good. Dirk? I'm Dirk Ashton. Uh, you guys know who I am. I've read, <laughs> uh, read all of Michael J. Sullivan's books. <laughs> and lastly, Michael. I do I have to reduce myself. You just called me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael J. Sullivan. Yes, Ray of Revelations and... Uh, Right here, Chronicles and uh, Legends of the First Empire, and the new book coming out is no one. Fantastic. Um, and thank you for substituting in for our other Michael Fletcher, uh, who was not available today, but we needed to keep our Michael quotient high. So much appreciated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and do you guys want to talk a bit about where you? I oh, sorry, Dirk, you go. We're actually at a, uh, a kind of a weekend retreat. We call it summer camp for writers. Yeah. Or, <laughs> but or they something. let us all in. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> They don't let you out though. That's the key part. Yeah, but we're at uh, we're at Michael's house, at Michael and Robin's house. They invite us down, and we've done it 
once a year. We couldn't do it yet last year, but there's a, like nine of us, nine of us here, and the rest of them were sleeping. They had a late night. Yeah, we did. So, what kind of stuff do you guys get up to there? Just to give a bit more context for our listeners. Uh, we eat a lot of good food, drink some there's some bourbon and beer that gets drunk, and uh, we have we actually have little panels where we talk to each other about things that we know about. Um, anything from working Goodreads to Kickstarters to writing stuff. And Dirk tries out new material on us and it never goes over that well. So you got to start somewhere. No. <laughs> we must be the second audience for that, Michael. Uh, nude performative dance with Eric got at me went over very well a couple of years ago. Though. Especially when we hit him. Full quiver, yeah. Especially when they Atlas performer, as they call him. Fantastic. <laughs> um, what kind of stuff have you talked about so far? Like what sort of panels have, have been the discussion we points did. for this one yeah so we haven't really started oh yet. fair enough oh that's right you well, said you were getting to playing last night to this place didn't you yeah, we still have two, more, still have two more writers coming in this morning from the airport so yeah zach, got zach, zach pike author of orconomics is coming and nice. and john kong who writes um a bunch of cool books just writes everything yeah all the time yeah awesome yeah yeah. All right, but, uh, so Melinda Spencer, ML Spencer, and ML Wang are here, authors of Dragon Mage and Sword Kagan, and Teal Greylock. Awesome. Two good <laughs> <laughs> and not, not listening anymore. All right, no, she put her headphones in. She's <laughs> <laughs> over there yelling at us. Awesome. Yeah, little bonus to off screen guest there. So today, what I thought we could do is we have a bunch of listener questions. Um, could, thought it would be very interesting to get your take on it, particularly since you're probably coming from slightly different writing backgrounds or approaches to our usual hosts. Uh, so the first question comes from Nick Carlson, who asks, has anyone got really excited about an idea only to find out from someone that it's been done, but you haven't just read that book? Do you then give up the idea or try just as hard to tweak it into something original because you can't let it go? Who wants to kick this one off? I frequently have found out retroactively that someone else did this thing that I did. And I'm just always pleased because I do it better. <laughs> <laughs> always a good solution. No, pe people have often talked about that my books are similar to uh, Grey Mouser. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was his name? Was the guy who wrote that? Oh, Prior um, in a Grey Mouser. Yeah. Ah, it's two names, right? Yeah, he did a bunch of short stories from late the 20s and they all put it together in the novels. But People say, oh, so you did, you know, you were patterning after that. I'm like, I've never read those books. Mm. So eventually a fan actually brought me one of the books and said, here, read this. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't gotten to it. <laughs> <laughs> you, go. you can't say you're copying if you haven't read the book. Uh, the author yeah. was Fritz Lieber, I believe. Far there you go. The now, so. yeah. yeah. Well done. I, um, uh, early on, I had not read American Gods and somebody was reading, read my first book and said, oh, you need American Gods and I'm like oh shit so I read it and I'm like oh mine's not really like that no so, it's not so I was like <laughs> it's, it's, it's it has America. gods and then it's in, in, so, in America part of it it's it's mine. It's yeah, yeah. America. <laughs> I mean gods America yeah so how are you responding to the lawsuit from Neil <laughs> <laughs> the cease and desist yeah. it's, it's been difficult <laughs> like, I doesn't you know, do lawsuits he like, sends ghosts right. why do you think I'm hiding in the Shenandoah Shit. In the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, I'm in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Wait, are you allowed the profanity on the show? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, swear all you like. Yeah. I didn't believe it it's later. Got, it's got Michael. No, no, no. We got an explicit rating. Wow. 
this show. Yes, there's cursing. <laughs> there was really no way we could do it without Mike if we uh, tried to keep it clean. So yeah. every week yeah. I go on YouTube and I tick the box that said, this content is not for children. <laughs> it's just performed by children. Correct, <laughs> correct. But specifically for adults. Do you ever have that happen? Um, well, I come from a screenwriting background. So it's like, hey, it's just like this. Like, that's a selling point. It's just like this, but the serial numbers are filed off. Like, yeah, that's awesome. So like, that's, you know, like it's, um, I, I work with some, a lot of Chinese uh, companies. And so they're like, hey, it, it's, I remember one instance, they're like, hey, and the character is the Black Widow, like Black Widow, but and like, no, Black Widow. Like, this is, yeah, it's Black Widow. Just don't call her that. All right. Moving on. <laughs> like, so, like, in, in the film industry, just like is a, yeah, is a great thing. It is, it what did is, you call her? Brown Recluse? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Like, I actually name, I name all the characters after my roommates at certain points in time. And then I give them a Chinese name after the fact. So, anyway, so, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Wait, so you name all your characters after your wife and son? Yeah, well, no, roommates, roommates <laughs> I've had in the past. But in the, in the last one, um, my son's friends' names are the English versions of it. Names I don't particularly care for, which they will never find out about. But because no one will okay, well, now that you've said it on this podcast. I know. It's, now it's out to the universe. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a standard spiel where, you know, you'll do it differently than anyone else who's done it but no i i have i have not had concepts uh i whole cloth of my books i have a book that's about an urban fantasy about about a mountain lion and a werewolf paramedic as far as i know those haven't happened yet <laughs> oh i've read that before except it was a monkey and a donkey <laughs> Yeah, I just, just I, I know that there are a lot of new authors that really fret about that stuff, but really don't. Just, well, the, the, the really great one is the one where they always say, oh, you know, I have this great idea, but I'm afraid someone's going to steal it. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Let them. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. Because even if they steal the idea, they're not going to write it. The well, and the other thing anyway. is to say, oh, but this is such a great book. You know, and I have, this book has to be brought out in the world. I'm like, yeah, and then what? What's the next one going to be? Uh-huh. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you writing to kill a monster? You get that first book and you never have to write yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. all hope. I think this is definitely in the category of things that are not hugely productive to think about. I think there's an aspect of it is useful um, to yeah consider how this is sort of fitting into existing genres out there and to think about how you're going to market it. So from that perspective, you know, it's useful to kind of know what it's similar to. Um, and then I think the guiding principle is always you know what is going to be familiar about the book that is drawing readers in and then what's going to be the strange aspect that is adding your own you know little spin on it whether that is mountain same, werewolves yeah. or whatever yeah, you need to be adding same thing but different yeah, yeah, yeah. you see the same thing in books that 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 are popular again and again and again and again and again in ku or on amazon or yeah if you want to be completely original go into literary fiction Oh, and yeah. see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> so Even then, I feel like a lot of literary fiction has the exact same blurb. So, you know, it's uh, not All always. Both are not coherent, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you the go. Yes. All right. Um, thanks, Nick, for that question. Much appreciated. What's that? I was just saying thanks to Nick for that question. Um, next one is from Paul, who asks, I don't introduce the main character in the first chapter. 
Is this okay or should you really get them in there or how long can you get away with not introducing them? I've heard arguments from both camps. It's just a bigger hook when I open from one villain's point of view and the main character walks in in the middle of something he really shouldn't. Uh, and he also adds for context, I have three point of view characters throughout my story. So the question here is, you know, how far can you wait before introducing your main character? Should you get him in really early? Is it okay to kind of open with other characters? What's your thoughts on this? Between different perspectives. So my first series that I did that actually I'm most known for, when I created that, I considered it like a television show. Hmm. And old television shows where you see like the crime and then the sleuth comes in later. Yeah. So I literally opened it up with the worst, most vile character. And everyone who read that assumed that was the main character. And they're like, I'm not reading this. <laughs> <laughs> so that, uh, when I re-released it through Orbit, I created a separate little chapter that I put on the beginning of it, which is now how the books begin, where I do introduce with the main characters because you want to make sure that most people are going to judge a book with the first few pages. And if they don't like what they're reading, they're probably not going to keep reading it. So as long as it's good, it's fine. I mean, there are no rules in writing. You can do whatever the hell you want, whatever works. But I mean, I've, I've had many stories that always start, you know, the second chapter is where the main character comes in. And my chapters run about, I don't know, in page form, they can be like 25 pages. Mm. So it, it's not, there's no hard and fast rules. It's just kind of how, how compelling that opening of this other book is. Now, Christopher, I can't remember his name, but oh, Empire State, I think it was killer opening chapter and i was like wow you know that had nothing to do with the main character at all but it was enough to get me to buy that book and once you bought it you're probably going to read it yeah. <laughs> and if they don't some who cost. cares yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i already bought it are you talking about hey, christopher Rakuto? Rakuto? no no he's, he's australian i know right. he's he's british i think about it I, people get us confused sorry. all the time I can't names <laughs> same thing they all talk funny yeah <laughs> He's made a lot. Remember him, so they can't sue us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Don't name their name. Very smart, very smart. Um, yeah, so that's a good point there, I think, about it's it's less, you know, introduce this character at this point, don't introduce him at this point, and it's more about are you communicating the correct field that represents the rest of your story, and is that drawing readers in? Because um, you probably I don't want to start with like the first chapter is a perfect cross-section of the entire novel. So if, if you have humor, put some humor in it. If you have some suspense, you have that in there. If there's some action, it just should be kind of like a sampling so that when you get done with that, like I have a really good idea because then they don't feel when they get to the end of the book, it's like yeah. I was bait and switched here because I really like this opening chapter, but now the rest of the book is something completely different. But mm. if you give them a some good sampling and they like it, they're probably going to be happy the whole book through. One of the coolest Wow, things. I've been doing this wrong. I've got a... One of my favorite books on writing, which is not about writing, is how to read no uh, novels like a professor. And one of the things that he said that helped me a lot was um, uh, was that your first chapter, your first few pages of the book, you're really teaching your reader how to read your book, um, which is you know what you know what it's going to be like and like yeah. exactly like you said. And and now that you bring it up. My, my, my original version of, of Paternus, the first book, um, now called Rise of Gods, uh, the, the first two chapters were flipped. I introduced it with the young main characters 
and then went to this kind of more action scene in Detroit. Um, and when I when I re-released it um, years back, I flopped the, flipped those chapters, and that actually really helped. And people stuck with the book longer because, and I introduced with not one of the actual main, main characters, but it gave a much better microcosm of what the story is about because there is this character who seems not quite human who gets attacked by something that's definitely not human. How about the opening for sure? Yeah. Pissed me off. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I really wanted to see that character in it. I'm not going to give any spoilers, he but disappears he disappears. For, I'm like, for, I was like, so vested in this character. First, and suddenly, yeah. <laughs> Till the hat. Till, I'm done with this book. <laughs> till, like, till like the middle of the book, he doesn't come back, and then he's through all the rest that's of the, 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 the trilogy. Musical, uh, the 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 bouncer, right? Is that yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. That's a great opening yeah. to the book. I didn't really enjoy this. Thank you. And I take that as a great compliment. You should. So the structure. <laughs> You've got it down in recording, Dirk, so you can pull that out at future times when Michael says your books aren't good. You can be like, no, I have audio proof that you said they were amazing. So structurally speaking, in, in screenwriting, though, you open with um, uh, the problem. Like, well, okay. If uh, if you everyone, uh, Death to the Reader by Terry Rossio is a very, very, very old uh, blog post. But uh, he and his writing partner did Pirates of the Caribbean back when it was still good, like before the you know franchise. Well, they also they also wrote Aladdin. Like you know, they've been around for a long time. Um, and he they were writer uh, they were readers for a while, which means they got the scripts and then they made notes of what they thought would make a good script, which became kind of canon. Anyways, he has a wonderful blog post that is still up somewhere called Death to the Readers. And his one of his first precepts is like you start with a punch and you end with a flurry. And so like, yes, you need to start with like something that hooks people. Um, and in screenwriting, um, you, you often introduce the villain first. And like, this is the problem that needs to be solved. And now here's your character. So think like Star Wars, like you open with Darth Vader, just wrecking some shit. You know, Jaws, you start with the, the shark doesn't see it, but you hear, you introduce the problem. And like, now here's, how is this protagonist possibly going to deal with this? Um, but it's a different medium altogether. So I can understand with um, like agents and stuff, or like, don't start with the prologue. What are you doing? World of, uh, uh, Wheel of Time. Why are you starting with these characters? <laughs> You know, um, so I, I understand why people who have to read six novels a day or the, the opening chapters of six novels a day are like, just start with the story. But then again, they're not thinking on a larger term because they don't need to, you know, their scale is like, I'm going to read six of these today. And if it doesn't grab me in the first chapter, you know, in the first set, why would you start with these other characters and then bring in the main character? So there's competing interests on that. There's like mm. it, and outside evolutionary factors of why you should of that but yeah absolutely yeah. so there you go so more more problems than i have answers for that's usually what we do yeah <laughs> just <laughs> answering of bringing up more questions rather than answering the question no those are good things i'll yeah i'll definitely try to put that uh blog post in the show notes death to the reader you said that was death to the reader i think death yeah. to the reader okay yeah, i've got Great. the link somewhere yeah yeah it's it's um, he had like, I think 35 rules, maybe it's 135 rules. Anyways, cool. <laughs> I printed them up and had them on my wall because they're just, that is some of the best advice on, on uh, writing I'd ever seen. And Great. But very, very successful writers, so. Sure. And on the Wizards Warriors Word podcast, we really do love killing our readers. So death to the reader does sound right <laughs> up our, 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 Yeah. 
viewership just keeps dropping. Keep killing, killing <laughs> they keep coming back as zombies. It's a very effective way to keep those download numbers churning because they just they just have nothing else to do because they're zombies. Uh, Dan, what are your what are your thoughts on introducing the the main character and how to go about that? I just start. <laughs> um, I. You start with the main character. Yes, I watch all the time. Yes, I mean, my two urban fantasy series are both. Um, Does it start uh, when they first wake up? Per, first person. Um, no, they do not start when they wake up. I save that for the second chapter. All right. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and we just what I I want to do is give them, give people like a look into their head and their problem, right? Mm-hmm. And often I start with a much smaller problem than the actual conflict will be. Yeah. Um, like, um, and Offleash, my first of the freelance familiars, he's, he's, he's basically, he has a problem where he's basically unemployed. And then he just walks into a situation where his next door neighbor gets run over and things get weird. <laughs> Um, you just want to, I don't know, all that advice sounded a lot better than what I do. <laughs> no, actually oh, what no, you're doing is I'm going to try and reinforce because that's right. exactly what I would suggest that any right. writer does, Yeah, which is you need to get the reader into the story. Right. And the best way to do that is present something relatable. Right. So rather than having, you know, an attack, a magical attack on someone, instead they can't find their sock. <laughs> because everyone can relate to that. Right. And you yeah. get to develop the characters, the character and how they go about looking for the damn sock. And right. you can hear what's going on in their head. Suddenly you like this character. So then when the magical attack comes, right, you have everything set. You're like, oh, I want this guy to win now because He's so cool when he had this problem with the freaking side. Right. So, I mean, yeah, having a, a little problem to begin yes. with, hmm. a bigger one. And he yeah. finds out it actually is a gremlin. <laughs> He's running through the house, he has to chase it. And if he can relate the two so that the little problem is actually connected to the bigger problem, that's even better. Well, I was just thinking the perfect example of this is a lot of Abercrombie's introductions. You know, like uh, the one that comes to me is, is Bremen Dan Gorst in, in The Heroes, where his first introduction is he's marching with a, a bunch of other soldiers up a muddy path and a cart is stuck in it and no one else wants to move it out of the way. So he has to get there and, and shove it himself. And it's such a good introduction because, yeah, like you say, Michael, it's a problem that people can relate to. You know, people have probably been bogged before on road trips or something like that. People have probably perceived situations where no one else is helping and they have to do it themselves. And it also characterizes some unique stuff about him, like the fact that he's really strong and, you know, despite that, he is a bit of an outcast. And yeah, it's a good bridge to the overall war, which is the main conflict that's happening in that. So that's a really good tip. Try to start, yeah, small and relatable and then link that to some of the bigger problems later. That's good. Um, anything to add to that? Cool. Um, Maybe the last question and then we can wrap this episode up is uh, Daniel asks, uh, was curious how you guys edited. Uh, I know you talked about it before on the whole, but I guess I'm curious about each of your different processes. Um, he says he's uh, almost, <laughs> yeah, he says he's uh, almost done with his first draft and he's taking a month off to work on another project and then coming back to it, which I would recommend. Um, and yeah, he's just curious, you know, do you guys work one chapter at a time, uh, one page at a time, or do you just go through the manuscript and edit as much as you can in a day? Basically, here's, here's my latest way to edit. Okay. Take, print out your manuscript mm -hmm. 
and then you go and get a vat of liquid nitrogen. <laughs> you dip it in the liquid nitrogen. Make sure it comes out a solid block. Yes. Then you sledgehammer it into a million different pieces. And put it back together. <laughs> and then you put it back together with tweezers. <laughs> and by the time and you just leave out all the bits that you didn't want. Mm -hmm. And you just and what once you, you put it back together, then you have to go and write the missing pieces and crumple them up and then like put them in and refreeze the whole block and eventually you know you invoke some old gods then the novel comes out that's and, and awesome that just... <laughs> that's actually really convenient dan because our sponsor today is a liquid nitrogen vat uh, distillery so you know like use our link get get a discounted liquid nitrogen vat and uh use dan's editing method that's uh yeah that, that was really that's crazy how that lined up um, really <laughs> that's the question <laughs> <laughs> work through the editing process and when do you do it do you do it as you're writing or only when the first manuscript is done so i write the draft whoops you found it i'm sorry this is an important thing this is important and you guys will be so we were leaving we were leaving the airport yesterday i had picked up dan matt and ml spencer and ml wang at the airport we're leaving and the back of the jeep came open and the only and the only thing that fell out was Matt Presley's laptop case. No. <laughs> and we got around, came back, and it was gone. Nobody no. could find it. Yeah. But airport lost and found, just called, and they got his laptop. It's a miracle. Wow. That would freak me out so much. <laughs> they the, back it? the back that opens with all our luggage. Uh, yeah. And laptop fell. Are decent. Yes. Sometimes. Wow. I know. I've written, now I can finish my Grimdark series. It's <laughs> <Yay>. a <laughs> lesson, kids. Back up your manuscripts. Yeah. For the love God. Up your Always. manuscripts. And don't joke about, ha, ha, ha. I don't back it up. And then, like, it fell out. Like, it had already fallen out. And we didn't know. And I was joking about, I really need to start backing things up. And then yeah. we went and checked. <laughs> we're, going, we're, going through the, we're going through the pay for the parking, yeah. leaving. Yes. And the guy comes running up. The back of your, the back of your back here jeep was open jeez top was gone like the whole back was open and it wasn't like beeping or anything yeah that freaks me out yeah that's why i use google drive because then it just automatically backs everything up so that's definitely a good tip if it hasn't happened to you yet it will happen at some stage in our driveway and he's like because i don't know how to feel about this i said don't feel any way about it because you don't know what's going to happen you could find this mm -hmm. yeah. it's just coming to the feel good author's cabin that does it for you <laughs> yep. happy endings that's what we're all about Cozies happen here. <laughs> yeah, none of this grim dark ending over here. This is all light and fluffy. It will be go to, found. Mike, go to Mike's house. <laughs> right. So the question was editing, right? Editing. Yes. <laughs> so this is going to be edited completely because this is. Oh no! No editing. Oh no! He, Fast he, and loose. So, as far as editing, I write the whole draft done, and I will get halfway through the the draft. And then what I do is I go back and I reread from the beginning to the middle or to where I left off, get an idea of how it feels mm -hmm. and if I'm going in the right direction. And I try to interpret it the way a reader would. I'm like going at this point, they're probably thinking it's going to go this way. And if that's true, should I go that way? Should I not? And when I finish the entire, the entire, uh, I might have to call back and the, the entire draft, um, I'll let it sit. Usually I'll go back and I just do cleanup, you know, just small edits here and there when I've seen awkward sentences. When I get done with that, it's very close to being done. 
Uh, then I give it to my alpha reader, my wife. She reads it. She finds logic problems in it. And she says, you know, this would, this doesn't work here. This doesn't work. I'm like, oh, oh you're right. You know, that's a screw up. So then I will go back and I'll fix that while I'm writing the next book. I jump in and I do a couple of rewrites, put it back. And then we send it over to a beta team. She runs that. And we have anywhere between, I don't know, 15 to 50 people will read that. She correlates all of their comments, gets rid of the ones she knows I'm not going to make a change on, gets rid of the ones that she knows it will make the change on. And then she gives me a file, a word file with commented out, you know, the questions. And then I will go through and judge on that, which I want to change, what I don't want to change, redo the thing, give it back to my wife. Then it goes off to the actual editors. Then we usually use two editors, um, usually they're the people that we had worked with at, uh, you know, big five publishers. So I... We have really good people. The editors are people who I have worked with before, who I have trained. They know what to change, what don't, what not to change. I had when I worked with uh, Del Rey, they gave me an editor who literally went through and took out or put back all the words I took out. And my wife's like, "I'm not even going to show this to him. <laughs> not accept any. He's just going to set everything. Put back all the that's. Yeah, I, I basically I took out all the little words and I had it really uh -huh. clean. They instead of you know all the and then the, and it's like, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. So I have trained editors who know what I want and what I don't want. <laughs> and that's pretty much the process. When it goes through that, <laughs> one more time before it goes out. And that's pretty much it. Nice. He trains the editors like lions, like, like lion tamers train their lions. Well, it's, it's interesting because <laughs> there's so many different kinds of editors. There's the editors that will want to rewrite your book. Mm -hmm. There's the editors who won't touch it at all. Yeah. And so you have to find one that reflects your style. What What do you need? Do you need someone who's going to completely rewrite your sentences, or do you need someone who's just going to look for commas and, and misplaced right. words and repeated mm. words? So you get it. You get someone who reflects your style and, and helps you out where you're weak. And I mean, that's pretty much how you have to get that down. Because if you don't do that, then you're wasting your time with the editor. And you'll never know if you have the right editor or not until you try them. Right. And uh, it's always a good idea if you have if you're trying to find an editor or a proofer to ask them to do uh, a first chapter or for first five pages, depending on what they have time on, and then see how you feel. And also, also with that, if you give them a sample of your work, they understand the amount of work they're going to have to do based off of your writing. And it's usually to give them something in the middle, not the beginning, because the beginning is usually polished. Yeah. So give them something in the middle, have them go over it, and then let them base that, based on that sample, they can say how much they're going to charge you. Yeah for this many more pages, however long the length is. Yep. That way they have a, a reason for doing it because they can actually set up more, a, a more accurate price tag. Yep. The uh, tips. I mean, I, I'm a big rewriter. So my first drafts are like a draft zero, <clears throat> but I try to just crap it out, just get it done. If I try to edit chapter by chapter or page by page, you'll never get your work. You'll never get it done. No, because it changes. You'll never get it done. So it's best to get everything out. You might have to stop and re-outline as you're going. I do. Um, and then get it all done. And then I go back. And then I fix the prose as much as I can. And maybe even swap some chapters and things like that myself. And then once I, I have it to a certain point, then I send it to proofers and, and editors and people that and also beta readers and alpha readers are great. They catch a lot of stuff too. And they, uh, they, they've been super, super helpful for me as well. And those people work for free just because they want, they want to see your, your work early on. 
Right. So for real, what do you do, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> for real. Um, depends on the book. Tell them about the last, this last book that you, you had what, three or four starts before, and you restarted three or four oh, yeah. times. So this, so I'm working on full moon medic two, which is, uh, midnight triage, triage, uh, triage. Yes. Um, pick a title you can pronounce people. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the title that we're going to get. Like Mike, you pick the title that only he can pronounce. Most of my tales, though. Rhyria. Did I do it right that yeah. time? Right. No, damn it. I never get it right. It's only three? I said Rhyria. Oh, Rhyria? Rhyria. 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 Damn it. There you go. Rhymes with Sephira. There we go. That's a good way to remember it. Well, my, my original three books were the when when Legend of the First Empire was supposed to be a trilogy. I had it be Rune, Prey, and uh, Dirk. And Dirk. Del Rey's like, no. You named the book don't, Dirk? Don't, don't do that. Dirk, D-H-E-R-G. <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> like, no, people aren't going to know how to order this when they walk into the bookstore. So they can't pronounce the word. And then, of course, my second book was Ab and Partha. But that was when I was self-publishing. So I didn't care. <laughs> they can find it on Amazon. But you're right. You're That's right. It. There is an advantage, though, to having a unique word be the title, uh -huh. it's great for searching. Right, great SEO, mm. they'll true. find it. True. Anyway, uh, editing, right? Yes, yes editing. Um, so I'm a discovery writer um, or pantser or I don't know, naked butt writer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that um, term, I'm gonna start using it. Uh, there's sometimes, sometimes I'm writing to find the story and sometimes often I don't need to do this, but the latest book, I started without a real star, strong concept of what this book is going to be. As in, I had the characters, but I, and I had their personal conflicts, but I kept on writing the story and leaving out any sort of overarching plot. <laughs> and so um, it took me like four tries before I like found managed to work the that plot into like the first couple chapters um, so i started this latest one four times and i usually don't do that sometimes that just happens um but then generally once i have a draft i either either it's in i know i need to do a structural edit and just do fix some things and then once i have a draft that's a little better i have my spouse read it and they then they have context for for me to basically tell them what's wrong with it and then i go fix what's wrong with it um then it usually goes it goes to my editor editor for the first time because my grammar is horrible and then it goes to beta readers because i'd rather them read a draft that's not so because they'll focus on just the grammar mistakes instead of the feedback and they'll still find lots of stuff on the grammar and usually i haven't really had an experience where the beta readers have found something that i haven't mm -hmm. and once i go through the beta reader con 
uh, comments, it goes back to the editor for a final time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, and I work completely different. I cannot pants. I cannot. I cannot. The irony. I of can't that discovery just... right. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just, just in my in my personnel. I can't. If I don't know where I'm going, I just I freeze up. If I don't know where I'm supposed to go, I have a lot of of like respect for that ability well, to do that. Well, you also write very quickly too. I don't write well, quickly. pretty pretty fast. Not like <laughs> not, 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 not like Tucker. Andy Pelequin or right, Bill Tucker right, fast. Right. I do. Nobody I, does. That. I write They're superhuman. I write. I write for. I write on the weekdays. My quota is two thousand words a day. Yeah. Day, which I usually hit. Yeah. And well, it's consistency is yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Honestly, it's not the amount. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, because uh, the majority of my stuff is first person. Yeah. You just have to like, you just go and sit in their head, and you you ask yourself, what does this character want to do? Mm -hmm. And a story comes out. It might not be the right story. Mm -hmm. You you that the you end like, up the, with. Yeah, that you end up with. Um, but I like, you know, all my books are very much about the consequences of the last book. Mm -hmm. As in, they have made choices and they survive because of those choices. But now they have to live with those choice, choices. Uh -huh. In addition to this other overarching threat that's coming in. But, oh, like, you know, the latest book, book you know, in Full Moon Medic, she sold her soul basically to the moon goddess to become a werewolf werewolf what does that mean she's a medic yeah and she's and she's got a wolf in her head yeah. that wants a pack wants you know she has to take care of this child to now eat people. <laughs> I mean, I... you know <laughs> <laughs> so and her roommate is terrified of her yeah because she spends half her time as a wolf that's as big as a horse. <laughs> wow, well, that's, that's, a big, that's a big horse. <laughs> but that's like a gravity to it. I remember um, there was a critique of the Hobbit movies, which we all like probably agree is the worst thing that ever happened to Tolkien. But um, but they pointed out that like in the the barrel scene, the infamous barrel scene, like there was no sense of gravity. There was no sense of repercussion of the the physical antics that were going on. And like they were cartoon characters, and it took and it stole all of the. Um, like gravitas gravitas if there you will no, yeah. yeah but i mean it's the same way of like if if the the characters uh actions don't have repercussions then like if you reset every book you know no like the the stuff needs to carry over yes. you know the you know, previous book needs to have repercussions in the next book right? or else it doesn't have gravitas yeah right, what, were the, what was the question editing <laughs> editing, <laughs> editing. our editing Sorry. process process yeah what is your editing do you edit as you go edit at the end how does it work i, I edit at the end which is one why, why this laptop loss was such a big deal because i had actually written a rough draft over a year ago over, over two years ago and which is one of the reasons it's so hard to edit because now i have to go i've done several projects in between and now i have to go back and get into the character mindset but you and, might have a completely fresh viewpoint I, it might help oh i I'm, I'm a big fan of distance of of being able to walk away from it cleanse your palate with something and then come back to it yeah, a Stephen, couple of weeks Stephen later. King says set it down for two months. No, most of us don't have that luxury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. most of us are But he says set it down for two months and do Frog. something else and then come back to that project. Yeah. 
with a with a with a fresher mind. Right, because you get you get myopic when you're in it. You're like, then I like this is the plot. This is what's going on. This is the characters. This is all I see. And then you you can look at it from a reader's perspective. So time is the only way that you can look at it from a reader's perspective. Um, Absolutely. As, as, as self editing, in my opinion. Well, this awesome. went a little twenty minutes, didn't it? <laughs> That's all right. This has been very good. Um, yeah, quick shout out to our patrons. Uh, if you haven't already supported us on Patreon, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words uh, and that not only gets you things like free advanced reader copies from us um, but it also lets you have priority question access for when we do listen to question episodes like these so the link to that is in the show notes if you want to check it out um, I believe oh, also thank you to our high tier patron Daniel Henderson and another Dan uh, Dan Potter do you want to talk a little bit about your latest book oh so um Emergency Shift is an urban fantasy where instead of having the supernatural world being established, being where, you know, the vampires have existed forever and they're mega powerful and mega rich or the werewolves um, <clears throat> are immortal and stuff, it's all starting during the story like magic is coming back to the world and so um the the main character is the first werewolf in the world to exist Ooh. and she is uh, a paramedic who you know in the course of being a paramedic runs across a fae who's trying to defend a little girl and the phase dying wish is is that she takes care of this little girl and being a paramedic she says yes because you generally say whatever you you need to to try and keep hope alive and keep the patient alive and that turns in that's a, a bad idea when it's a fae yeah. <laughs> don't eat their food don't make deals yes and uh so things get bad from there for her <laughs> awesome uh, what was the title with that again emergency shift emergency shift awesome. <laughs> emergency shift all right well thanks guys for coming on this has been a really uh unique and different episode so i appreciate you giving us the time for this <laughs> hey i mean unique in the good way not unique in the like bad pile of trash way um yeah, no, this has been like good. Normal episodes. <laughs> <laughs> <In a> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So thank you everybody for listening or watching to this. Uh, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.